This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello and welcome to episode 38 of Cooking with Grief, the comedy podcast where we bring you weird topics from around the world, whether they be science, history, art, or just weird, crazy news stories that we think you'd enjoy. I'm Chris, and as ever, I'm joined by my co-host, Chris. Hello, I am the other Chris. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I am also well. Pleasantries out of the way. <laughs> Let's quickly explain how they're... Yeah, you can never tell that we were like friends for half our lives. Like, yes, I'm, I'm very well. Thank you. How are you? Yes. Also very well. Very well, Bitterman. <laughs> anyway, so the way the podcast works is we've each brought two topics to share with each other. I only know the topics I've got. Chris only knows the topics he's got. We'll surprise each other with our weird and wonderful facts. I'm going to hand it over to Chris to start us off. Bazinga for my first topic. I'll start with a question. Chris, what's the wildest weekend you've ever had? Oh, well, one time I went shopping for wallpaper. Woo! Is that even true? No, I don't. <laughs> you dream. <laughs> of shopping for wallpaper. Uh, no, wildest weekend. I don't know. I've never really... I mean, I'm sure our Not listeners will like... be incredibly surprised to know that I'm not really one for going properly wild, but... Uh, no, I... you're not what the kids would call a party animal. No, not exactly. Unless the animal is a sloth. Yes. No. <laughs> in fact, it'd probably be more embarrassing if I tried to think of what my wildest one was, rather than just say, no, nothing particularly wild. And you bought a nice rug recently. That's, That's true, I did. It, it really has made the room a lot more homely. Mm. Cool. Anyway. <laughs> right, so, I'd like to tell you a story about someone who had an even wilder weekend. Wow, than my imaginary hypothetical <laughs> wallpaper. <laughs> yeah, so if you can imagine that, then this just scrapes the bar over it. So, this is the story of Imo Kovanen, a Finnish soldier in World War Two, who had, I think, one of the wildest weekends in history. His was the first documented case of a soldier overdosing on methamphetamines during combat. Nice. So that's the sort of vibe where we're getting into. When did you say this was? World War Two. World War Two. Okay. So on the 15th of March in 1944, Kovanen was assigned to a ski patrol in Finland. And three days later, his uh, group was attacked and surrounded by Soviet soldiers. And he alone managed to escape. Fleeing into the wilderness on his skis, he sustained himself only on the group's pervitin, a methamphetamine stimulant prescribed to keep soldiers awake on duty. Not wanting to take his gloves off in the harsh uh, Finnish uh, spring, uh, he couldn't pull out one single pill, so dumped the entire bottle of 30 pills into his hand and swallowed them all. (laughs) (laughs) Setting him up for a hell of a week. And this allowed him a... A brief burst of energy, I guess. Uh, but soon he became delirious and then unconscious. Waking up days later, lost from his regiment, he evaded Soviet forces on skis, high out of his mind on <laughs> methamphetamines, until he skied over a land- landmine and got injured. Oh, ouch. That's uh, he, a bad day. Uh, that's a bad day. That's uh, what happens when you go off piste. They always warn you. They always say, stay on there. Yeah, don't take the enough meth for 30 people. Don't ski on landmines. Don't eat yellow snow. I think they're the big three. Uh, so injured, he crawled into a ditch and lay undiscovered for a week while all about him Soviet soldiers were on the move. And then when the coast was clear, he crawled 250 miles, or 400 kilometres, uh, injured with a broken leg where he could be admitted to hospital. Uh, upon admittance, he weighed 94 pounds, that's 43 kilos or six and a half stone, and his heart rate was 200 
beats per minute. <laughs> Which, the record is twice as normal, <laughs> like a week and a half after we taken the pills. Um, he's not dead. Yeah, no, he did well to survive. He, uh, he came to survive on eating pine buds <laughs> and birds that he caught and ate raw. <laughs> I mean, birds have access to, like, three dimensions of travel. Like, they can walk, le- you know, forward and backwards, left and right, and they can fly up and down. Yep. And they got caught by a man who's crawling and high off his mind. But maybe... What a shite bird. <laughs> Deserve to get eaten. Just writing down, what a shite bird for Epitaph's <laughs> tiles. Apparently we can say whatever we want after Buku de Minge. <laughs> but, I mean, the story ends well. He lived to the age of 71 and died in 1989 with a story to tell. Indeed. Have you ever been like high on methamphetamine? <laughs> Have you ever <laughs> eaten raw birds? No, and no. There's very little in that story I can relate to. Having never been a Finnish soldier in World War Two. But apart from that, everything else is, yeah, is, is or, bang in on. fact I've never even been skiing. Have you can you relate to a single part of this story? I've eaten a bird. <laughs> <laughs> Was it raw? Was by the end of it. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, that's Totally not like me. I was going to say, have you like had any sort of camping or like survivalist experiences? Once? No, I was in the Cubs when I was a kid and we went... In to, suburban. No, <laughs> yeah, we went somewhere. We went camping and stuff. And Take any meth? No, they didn't have any meth out. And to be honest, I, I know I'm, I'm a very urban person. I've spent my life in cities. So no, I'd like to go on like... No, I don't know. My thing with camping is right. Is like, especially in England, where like... We base. I'm sure the law in England. I think you have to camp at like designated campsites and yeah. stuff. Like in Scotland, you can camp anywhere. Wherever, yeah. And I do something like that. Like if I'm going to camp, I want to camp in the middle of nowhere. Mm. Camping in a campsite is just going to a shitty hotel. Like you're yeah, not with, in, with zero services. Yeah, you're yeah. not in the outdoors as such because you're just you're still surrounded by other people. Yeah, you're just a bunch of people in a really shitty hotel in with a no clearing. services in a clearing where you have to go outside to go shit. That to me doesn't sound. That's the worst of both worlds. So like if I I want to go on a camping thing, but I mm. want to go somewhere. I want to look around this, and be um, the only people around and like actually feel like I'm in the wilderness. Yeah. And especially in a country that has no like bears or yeah, mountain exactly. lions, it's sort of ideal. Yeah, it's quite safe. Like I don't want to go camping in America because like. We didn't fully wrap our sandwiches and there's a fucking grizzly bear <laughs> trying to eat us. Like, nah. Because there's, there's a... It, it's basically like um, sort of... It's like camping courses, but you don't take anything with you. So they teach you how to like make a, tr- like a tent out of nature and how oh, to... Like, like Rainier style. Yeah, yeah, that, that sort of thing. Um, appeal to you. Yeah, it could be fun. Going yeah, with a group of like eight I'll... people from like marketing who are doing yeah. it as like a, a work bonding trip. Because I preferred Ray Mears to Bear Grylls because Ray Mears always felt like he was trying to teach you something. Mm. Stuff you'd never use ever. Like, it's great watching a TV show and you're like watching intently learning how to make a canoe out of a birch tree and it's like, I'm literally <laughs> never going to try and make a canoe out of a birch tree but I want to learn it. Yeah, whereas Bear Grylls, Bear Grylls is just like, look how hard I am, I survived drinking my own piss. I was going to say, that does seem to crop up more times than strictly necessary. <laughs> now there is a stream here but don't forget you can drink your piss. Now watch me drink my piss. Yeah. Bear Grylls. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't know. I never feel like you're going to learn something from watching Bear Grylls. You're just going to watch a man drink his own piss. Like, oh, competing episode title. <laughs> not for me. No. No, not for me. I like my creature comforts, which is mad because I was. Like your rug. Yeah, my rug. Exactly. So you don't need wild weekends. No. <laughs> you're so alone. <laughs> 
Okay, so that's my first topic over and done with. Chris, what have you got for your first one? All right, well, you know how much we here at Cooking with Grief love insane science experiments. Oh, yeah. And we've got a doozy for you this week. Scientists were wondering, as scientists do, how cuttlefish judge distance. I love it. Yeah. love it. They were, you know, they were... Why? What practical... Not to get, you know, to deal with it too quickly. What practical application is there from knowing how cuttlefish judge distance? Probably absolutely not. But, you know, people like to know these things because yeah. they, um, you know, I guess they just looked at them and thought these things are freaky. I wonder how they <laughs> judge stuff. Yeah. yeah. Apparently part of the reason they wanted to know is because they can move their eyes independently in 360 degrees. So they're like, hmm, wonder how they judge distance then because we're right. relying on the fact that eyes can't move very much yeah. to, like, gauge how far away things are. So, obviously, the way they decided to to test this was they built themselves a... The scientist, that is, not the cuttlefish. <laughs> the scientists built an underwater 3D movie theatre. Of course they did. And then glued 3D glasses to the cuttlefish heads. Glued. Well, I've got some... Attached. I, yeah, I've, no, I've got some choice quotes throughout this. Oh, right. Okay. So, yeah. So, as I said, they wanted to see how they did this. So, it's uh, Dr. Trevor Wardhill from the University of Minnesota was the uh, lead scientist on this. Mm-hmm. The thing is, they knew that this was insane. Oh, right. Okay. That's all right. Well, no, sorry. They knew other people thought it was insane. Oh, that's, so, that's quote, fine. A lot of people said it wasn't going to work. They said they'd rip the glasses off. They'd said there'd be ink in the tank. <laughs> well, <laughs> these, like, these people are idiots. <laughs> yeah. Undeterred, uh, they also thought... You've got to get in the mind of the cuttlefish and work out what makes them happy. So they, no, you don't. <laughs> so they worked out that if you give them lots of shrimp as a reward for doing things right, they'll play along, apparently. I mean, to what extent can you make it wear lederhosen with enough shrimp? Probably. Can you get it to listen to Bob Dylan? They got them to wear 3D glasses. Can you uh, teach it the polka? Probably not. Oh, that's where you draw the line. <laughs> that's where I draw the line. Okay, yeah. rule of three. Yep, so apparently when they tried to glue the glasses directly to their heads... Um, Glued? Yeah, well, they tried, but it risked skin damage when they tried to tear them off, so they didn't like that. The people were right. So then they came up with the idea was they super glued a Velcro strip onto the onto their heads and then Velcroed the glasses on. At what point is it not science and it's more just a DIY project? <laughs> Pretty much immediately with this. is why I love science. If you're Velcroing <laughs> stuff to cuttlefish and going, oh no. I'm a well-respected scientist. <laughs> well, the cuttlefish were named as well. Uh, so the, some of the best ones were Long Arms, <laughs> Inky, <laughs> and Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> well, because he was hidden rocks. So what they did was they made an underwater... They put an underwater film uh, cinema there. Right, does it say what they showed? Moving images of shrimp. Oh, Okay. Yeah, basically, and then they put 3D glasses on them to see whether or not they notice things and whether or not they try to uh, lunge at the moving images and how far. I have no idea why they're doing this. I just think most of the reason. I feel like they had the idea and worked back was like, wouldn't it be hilarious if we glued 3D, (laughs) if we made a little underwater cinema just for cuttlefish? I think you go even further back than that, that someone found a load of footage of shrimps and being like, (laughs) How can we engineer this to get a grant for something? <laughs> if you're at the point where you're already velcroing stuff onto cuttlefish and calling it a job, do you reckon they played, they showed any of the cuttlefish porn just to see if it elicited a different reaction? <laughs> you can only assume they did. I mean, at this stage, you've got nothing. <laughs> I like to think as well that they built, like, they properly outfitted the, like, cinema. It like, it had, like, little, kind of chairs yeah. and stuff. And, like, Hence little... long arms to... Oh, you know. nice, yeah. 
And then you know, like little boxes of popcorn and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. That. Obviously floating away. <laughs> as, as a sub experiment, would the straws and the drinks make it as, as squeaky a sound underwater? It'd be hard to have a drink underwater because it might well just. If you vacuum seal the top, yeah. which is more effort than even cuttlefish scientists <laughs> are willing to go. <laughs> yes, that's true. You reckon they got annoyed with anybody talking over the uh, <laughs> shh? Like, stop flashing like that. <laughs> stop making weird shapes, you weird cuttlefish. You're done for piracy because they're filming <laughs> you know, illicit shrimp videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just love it. But yeah, apparently what they did was they tried to make it so, you know, like 3D glasses, you know, they make it seem like longer distance to one eye than the other and it makes yeah. it feel like it's coming out. So yeah, they basically, they played around with it so that, to see whether or not doing that made people... Played around with it. How scientific's that? Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, yeah, they played yeah. around so it seemed further apart. Like, you know, so it delayed it getting to one eye much more than yeah, the other yeah, to yeah. see whether or not that made them think it was further away and stuff. I wonder if they did ink all over the... Uh... Excuse me? And I said one of the things they were worried about was I was going to ink all over oh, the Oh, right, I think the scientists, like, no, no, no. were so pleased themselves. <laughs> did, uh, did they publish results? Has this been a completely pointless endeavour? No, they've uh, they've done it. They said that um, if you have the images a long way apart, the cuttlefish thinks the shrimp is really close. They try and get them with the tentacles. But if you flip the images around and make it, the shrimp look like it's further away, then the cuttlefish will think it's too far and will keep swimming towards it. So does that mean 3D glasses work? On I cuttlefish, yes. On cuttlefish? Yes. Was that the point? <laughs> well, the study... Published in Science Advances. All right, great. Apparently it does. Where it advances to is questionable. Yeah, by millimetres at a time. Where it concludes that cuttlefish do in fact use stereopsis, but further tests show that the animals must use different neural circuitry to do so compared to, like, humans and the way we do it. Right, okay. They're neuroscientists, apparently, not cuttlefish scientists, but why that matters, I don't know. Who just even comes up with this? I mean, they will forever be cuttlefish scientists. Oh, yes, definitely. To us, they will be. Yeah. And to you, dear listener. Right, and on that note, Chris, what's your second topic? In this country, at least, you have to do uh, English until the age of 16. Chris, what is your most outstanding memory of English lessons at school? Either the time that I got kicked out and had to work in the corridor entirely because you said something and I laughed at it, and for some reason that meant I was the problem child. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, still example of that. It's been 15 years nearly. Anyway. But it's fine. But it's fine. We're still friends. Uh, or it's the fact that our teacher, because I used to just write for the assignments or whatever, I'd answer the question given, but I'd also give my own, basically this podcast, just my own opinions on shit that I thought was funny. And uh teacher, basically, she stopped giving me a grade because she was like, this is either an A star or a U. <laughs> And I have no way of knowing what the examiner and the actual exam would give it because it depends entirely on the mood. She was like, I'll give you a tick. I can mark off that you've completed the assignment. Mm. I have no... It's like you've answered the question. Yeah. You've also thrown in a lot of shit, <laughs> which you think is funny. <laughs> Didn't you, in your exam, once urge, mid-essay, urge the um, examiner or whoever was marking it to go and... Have, have a, a, have a, a break and have a sandwich. Yeah, no, that was general studies, though. That was oh, that doesn't count. Yeah, I was like, who gives a shit about this? <laughs> In fact, I think general studies is only done by schools so they can try and bump up the number of like people who get A-level. So I was fighting the power by making sure I got a, <laughs> got a U. Yeah, booking the trend. Yeah. Of the lowest part. <laughs> well, I start because, obviously, an English class in, in this country, at least, I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but... Uh, you know, you learn about grammar, the syntax, whatnot, you know, and you cover the big ones, metaphors, similes, alliteration, assonance. 
I just wonder what your enjoying memory is. I th- think probably telling a joke and getting you kicked <laughs> out. But one sort of um, figure of speech doesn't get as much love as the others. The zoigma. I think you go see a doctor when you got a zoigma. I know, it, it affects the way I walk. <laughs> um, a zoigma, or it could be zoogma, but I'm pretty sure it's zoigma, is a figure of speech. Sure this up. Pretty sure. Okay. Is a figure of speech in which a word applies to two others in different sentences. Often one application is literal and the other is metaphorical. For example, John and his license expired last week. Okay. Meaning both John died and his license expired, or with weeping eyes and hearts. One is literal weeping, oh. and one is is yeah. metaphorically weeping. I don't know. It's, uh, I've always liked language. It's nice to put a name to a sort of a rhetoric device that uh, we've all seen, but never necessarily picked up on as being a thing. Examples from um, published work from Alexander Pope. Thou dost sometimes counsel take and sometimes tea. I mean, sometimes you take listen count. to people and sometimes you yeah. have a brew. Yeah, yeah. Mm, sounds fair. Yeah. Sounds like a good life. There's this one, Miss Bolo went straight home in a flood of tears and a sedan chair. That's from Dickens in the Pickwick Papers. From Flanders and Swan, she made no reply, up her mind and a dash for the door. Oh. So it's like where the verb's like... Used it three times. Yeah, 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 without repeating itself. Mm. Um, they covered themselves in dust and glory by Mark Twain. Nice. Not just in a classic, so it blurs c- uh, country house. He watches afternoon repeats and the food he eats. In the country? In the country. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't drink, drink, smoke, laugh and takes herbal baths in the country, I believe. <laughs> I believe he does. Um, and in the like in the musical, our teeth and ambitions are bared. Um, so if you fall from someone's favour and the window, that's a zoigma. If you lose your clothes and inhibitions, that's a zoigma. If you make a meal of pie and life... That's a zoigma. <laughs> Working on me catchphrase. Are you like, that's a zoigma. I thought you didn't be. When the moon hits your eye, I could get you to pie. That's a zoigma. Would you go Jewish with it? <laughs> it's a zoigma. I thought you were going like, like, that's number one. No, that's I, a zoigma. I genuinely thought when you were reading now, like, if you fall from someone's favour around the window, that's, that's a zoigma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, uh, I, I think it's just... Uh, if you lose all your clothes and inhibition, that's a zoigma. <laughs> if you make a... Me- anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a Well, yeah, I think that's that's fine. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just uh, as someone who's always liked reading and language, I discovered that it, my, you know, it has a name. That's good. Okay, so that's the end of my second topic. Chris, what's your last one? Well, again, we're staying in the realms of science, but good, good. this one's actually somewhat useful and not quite as ridiculous as shrimp <laughs> with 3D cinemas. I mean, that's a low bar. Yes, but one we've managed to surpass nonetheless. Excellent. If you could have, like, a not mundane superpower, but, like, what bizarre superpower do you think you'd have? Like, so, not so one of the, you know, if we rule out all the normal ones. So like, the eight era, like, invisibility, flying, freezing time. Yeah. Super speed, super strength, all that, like, all the stuff that you'd actually see in a Marvel film. Right, okay. Like, now we're down to the ridiculous or mundane or whatever, like, 
like the ability to re-ripen fruit and veg. Oh, nice. Well, so just like when it's just gone past it. Like I'm forever buying avocados and think, oh, fine. And then like you turn your back and suddenly they're just fucking mush. Oh, dear. It's like you were going to have three days on you. Yeah. And I can just go zap and it's a fresh, perfectly ripe avocado again. Oh, that'd be a nice one. Yeah. Okay. What would you have? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, it'd be something like being able to intuitively hang pictures straight <laughs> you know, instead of having to stand that's, back and then go back <laughs> like level, the two quid from Wilco shout it's out like, to Wilco I bloody love Wilco I fucking love Wilco they yeah. literally have everything you need every time yeah everything you like you whenever think you, you think need. yeah every time you think oh, I don't know where sells that like I need like weird little small screwdriver like I can't bother going all the way to like a massive hardware store I just need like oh Wilco's have a little weird screwdriver like tiny one for watches or whatever yeah you know but like you know you hang it first because it's so annoying you hang it then you go stand back it's, it's all right when you're hanging one on a wire but when you've got one where you know you're properly putting it on the wall and you've only got really one shot to do it and so you're like yeah, yeah i just like to get it right first time stop looking at me like that <laughs> look I, I agree that it is a mild inconvenience to not get it right the first time i would say that is a waste of even a minor superpower <laughs> I'm reanimating fruit from the dead. <laughs> There's a woman from Scotland called Joy Mill, and her bizarre real-life superpower mm. is she can diagnose a particular disease by smell. Oh, like bees. Huh? Like Be- bees. Bees can detect cancer through smell. Really? I did not know that. Is she like that? Basically. So what oh. you're saying, she might be part B. You're right, that is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, she's got the ability to detect Parkinson's disease just through um, just through smell. So you know like uh, Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that's bizarre. Yeah, but scientifically verified. What it was was her husband she noticed apparently with her husband that he's had a musky smell. Rather than thinking that he's got some, you know, cheap tarts uh perfume on her <laughs> on him. She oh, uh, the word tart apart from <laughs> as a baked good for quite a while. Yeah. What century is it? Well, she is strumpet as well. <laughs> Rather than jump into such conclusions, mm. years later, he was actually diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And right. then somehow she thought that was a bit dodgy that she could smell it before he got it. And um, well, well done for making the link. That, yeah, it was weird. Well, years ago, you smelled a bit musty. Yeah, exactly. It's weird. But yeah. she's actually been working with researchers at the University of Manchester. And they've managed to nail down the uh, chemicals that your body gives off when you're starting to develop Parkinson's disease oh, wow. and uh, the ones that she could smell. So it's, they've actually published natural, after three years of research, published it all, the findings in a paper. Right, I say this is... Scientifically much, holds up. Yeah, much more than bloody shrimp with... <laughs> shrimp with... Cuttlefish. Cuttlefish. Not shrimp. That's the next experiment, even tiny. Teeny tiny 3D glasses. And they've managed to design experiments using a mass spectrometer to mimic, you know, to detect the same way she just smells it mm. and she intuitively knows that it smells musky or whatever they've managed to replicate it using the oh. mass spectrometry and they found that particularly hyperic acid ecosane and ocodencanal were in higher than usual concentrations on the skin of parkinson's patients so those are the ones that you can start to um huh. look for like early um, warning what, what was her success rate it just said she could actually smell people. So it sounds, isn't yeah. it? It doesn't say what her success rate was, but yeah, it said. I, mean, that I suppose if if uh, if they've devoted three years to it, then it must be fairly high. Otherwise, yeah, exactly. So it's fifty fifty, and she gets it right. <laughs> yeah, she's become made an honorary lecturer as well at Manchester University to help explain the smell and 
you know, what to look for. Oh, wow. It's mad, really, when you think about it, that somebody can actually... I mean, like, it can't be a common thing, because she seems to be the only one. Yeah. I mean, maybe other people can do it, but, like, it's obviously not not been obvious to people. Yeah, yeah. And have they worked out what she has? No, it doesn't actually say, I feel... Like, is it a genetic mutation? Must be either that or radioactive superpowers. The only two options. Yeah. I can't believe I have a degree in a STEM subject. (laughs) Like, What would she have to be bitten a radioactive version of by... Radioactive dog, mm. they got good sense of smell. Or just just a radioactive nose. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, so before they got Manchester Uni to help her identify the actual smell, Edinburgh University uh, tried to work out what it was, you know, like you say, test her ability and whatnot. First time she was tested on six people, they got 12 people in, six had it, six didn't, and she got 11 out of 12 right. So pretty it's good. pretty good. In fact, it's even crazier. This is why you should research your stories before. <laughs> Breaking news, listeners. <laughs> no. You scroll down. <laughs> so this wasn't in my original, my yeah. original topic. Um, 11 out of 12, she got the six Parkinson's right, and then said that one of the non- also had Parkinson's. Eight months later, he got diagnosed with Parkinson's. Fucking hell. That's, yeah. that's quite spooky. Yeah, exactly. So, like I said... She they, cursed him. <laughs> that must be it. It still doesn't say how they managed to work out what she's got that allows her so to smell there, stuff. Is there a preventative cure from Parkinson's? I'm not sure, you know. I don't know enough about it. I don't think there's any cure, but maybe the... That's, that's what I mean. Like, I don't think they could outright, but there are things that can slow, slow it. it down, I think. Yeah, I think so early if, diagnosis yeah. can help. And if, like you say, the, the built a working model of what she can do... Yeah, they can start using it to diagnose. Oh. don't know when you do it, though. Like, how early you can suspect... You know, you can't just go around sniffing everybody and be like, you got it, you don't, you got it, you don't. Yeah, you can't do it at birth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know when it's worth doing it. But yeah, no, it's crazy that, like... Yeah, we've insane. really gone from useful science to not useful science in one episode today yeah, yeah, yeah. and you can make up your own mind which is which yes plus one for the cuddlefish <laughs> and so concludes another chapter of cooking with grief thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time with more weird and wonderful facts have you had a good time Chris it's been brilliant Good. I've enjoyed it too. Best episode we've recorded all day. All Is afternoon. I was going to say, because we've done two today. I mean, <laughs> are we actually ready to nail our colours to the mast on that? We'll leave it to you, <laughs> listeners, to decide. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to be a smarmy game show host. That's going to be my next career. Um, we'd just like to ask you if, you'd, uh, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to see uh, more weird jokes, wonderful facts, and rants about the world as it is. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at Cooking with Grief. There's no G on cooking because we couldn't fit it in the calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and if you got anything, if you I mean you can contact us on there or otherwise, please send us an email if you got any queries, questions, suggestions for topics. Want to just send <laughs> moral us, outrages. Moral outrage, exactly. Send us nudes. Uh, um, Alright, fine though. Just like nude send palettes. Dunes. Dunes. So there's pictures of, of dunes. Yes, sand dunes. Yeah, so if you want to do that, please email us at cookingwithgrief at gmail.com. This time we have all the Gs. Like, we didn't skimp on the Gs. Yeah, so the, G- the Gmail license is a lot cheaper than the Twitter <laughs> yeah. license. Also, please, if you enjoyed it, leave a review on iTunes, because uh, it really helps the, uh, the podcast to grow. And as well as that, if you could share this with your friends, family, people you like, people you hate... Especially people you hate. Especially people you hate. You, you hated it, so why should you buy? 
Yeah, exactly. Lovers, haters, just anybody really. <laughs> Let us just share the love, no matter where in the world as well, because we're trying to get hit, downloaded in every country in the world, because it's the only way we're ever going to achieve some semblance of world domination. Or oh, self-respect. Yes, and we're currently still lagging behind in the... Uh, is it South America? Yeah, yeah, not getting South America. We're doing okay in Europe and North America. Yeah, North America, we've got a little bit of Asia. Yep. We've got a little bit of Africa. Especially yeah. shout out to South Africa and Madagascar. Madagascar coming in really strong, surprisingly <laughs> strong. Indeed. Um, yeah, Antarctica, massive letdown so far. Yep. But, um, but yeah, no, if you could uh, spread the love. And um, again, we'd like to thank our podcast parents over at Big Heads Media. Hello, be thy name. <laughs> Indeed. And, uh, well, you're about to hear after the outro a little trailer from some of our, well, I guess it'd be our siblings, cousins in Big Heads Media. Yeah, our, our estranged yeah. cousins. Yeah, exactly. And we think you enjoy them. We've never met, but we know them by name. Exactly. And yeah, so hopefully you'll enjoy what they've got to listen. Go check them out as well. So, uh, with that, goodbye. <laughs> Bye. That's only like five things. You can handle that. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, we gave him quite a list then. Didn't we? <laughs> yeah. uh, maybe right. All right, go. Look. Use the back thirty seconds button a few times. Get pen and paper. <laughs> listen. Write down what we've asked you to do. One day we'll get a newsletter that will only be <laughs> instructions for that week. Right, here's your homework. I want a two thousand word essay on why we should carry on doing this. Uh, goodbye. Bye. We love you. <laughs>